Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. You might remember me as Kevin Owens punching bag on SmackDown. You're listening to the whole Rough and Show, the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole Rough and Show. Ladies and gentlemen, hashtag dear listeners, welcome to yet another fun-filled, informative, exciting episode of the only wrestling podcast, potentially the only podcast in general, that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Darren Beasley, welcome back. Good to see you again, to see that face and the, the, the shaved head. Uh, Darren Beasley, you, uh, you surprised me last week with that shaved head. Uh, it was, it was, you know, you, 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 you log into Skype and you, you click on someone's name and you hear the boo, 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 boo. And then you typically you pop on, you're, you're hazy at first cause the connection is trying to get there. And as you slowly became clearer and clearer, I realized you had a shaved head. It surprised me. I still say you should have gone full Richie Tenenbaum minus the attempted suicide and just Thank shaved you. and just shaved everything. But uh, as uh, someone once said of you and that curly mustache of yours, to shave that off at this point would be character assassination. And I'm afraid I have to back up that statement. It would. It would. Um, I think that some of my students are going to be shocked uh, when they see me next month um, with no hair. Uh, <laughs> the the basically the last two and a half years is how long. It had been since I'd had a haircut, and in two and a half years, it had gotten quite long. Um, my hair has been short, long, and all points in between many, many times over the years. But before I cut it the other day, that was about the second longest it had ever been. Um, and actually, I, I, I had it collected into four uh, ponytails, like four little strips that I'm planning to donate um, to uh, Wigs for Kids. Um, which nice. is a, a non-profit uh, cancer organization. And um, wow, that it was quite a bit of hair. And so to go straight to the scalp um, was, uh, was a big difference. But boy, does it feel good, especially in a very, very, very hot and humid South Georgia summer. But uh, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> when you popped on my screen, I looked at you for just a second, and then it occurred to me, Oh, I didn't tell him that I shaved my head. So, like, I was there for a second, and then I, like, put my hands up, and I was like, oh, hey, I shaved my head, and then moved my hands. Well, I'm glad, because uh, I was about to alert the authorities that someone had broken into your home and was going to uh, co-host this podcast with me. So I'm glad it was you. Uh, the story had a happy ending, and it's very nice of you, very noble to donate your hair like that. I just picture some young lad walking around with your long hair and a curly mustache because he just took all your hair and just completely added it on to himself just like you did. So I don't know. I'm I'm wacky, though, so that's probably not what's going to happen. But uh, good on you, Darren. It looks good, and uh, I'm sure you'll grow it all back in no time. Uh, folks, we got a lot to talk about on today's episode of The Whole Ref and Show. When do we not have a lot to talk about? This time, mostly about wrestling, we promise. Um, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff's names are, uh, in some pretty big headlines. They're going to have a, uh, Heyman's going to have a larger role in WWE. Bischoff's going to have a role in WWE. 
Uh, I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, also, uh, recently Tommy Dreamer uh, was interviewed and he gave a little insight into a, uh, a fantasy, a, a slash uh, kind of a, I guess I'll say kind of a death wish. Very interesting, bizarre, uh, interesting, potentially tragic thing. I don't want to say more about that without actually just going into the story. So we're going to talk about Tommy Dreamer. Uh, his his uh, his story he gave an interviewer recently, which is definitely worth talking about. We're going to talk about AEW Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest coming up this weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, speaking of AEW, Kenny Omega not too happy with WWE, uh, citing some underhanded tactics. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, Fighter Fest going on this weekend, uh, also we got to talk about uh, WWE's latest PPV slash network exclusive uh, stomping grounds that happened last weekend, and uh, Darren and I went head to head, head to head, and did pretty well, I must say, uh, when it came to uh, predicting the outcome of most of the matches. So we're gonna get into that. And uh, did, you, did you enjoy stomping grounds, Darren? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> I enjoyed it. Far more than I should have, and definitely more than I thought I was going to. I, I'd have to agree with that, uh, that you did, more than you thought you would. Uh, also, that right. I, my, I myself also enjoyed the show, believe it or not. And that's kind of, that seems to be the general consensus when it comes to Stomping Grounds, according to like, I, you know, I'll jump on Facebook and click on the comments just to see what people are thinking these days, even though it's pointless. They complain about shit and, and you know... <laughs> They, they praise stuff, they they hate stuff. It's There's really no rhyme or reason to it. You can't please everyone. That's uh, just the way it is. So, uh, But we're going to talk all about that. But we can't talk about Stomping Grounds, Darren. Not until we talk about those... Headlines! Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, two of the biggest enemies of Vince McMahon over the last 30 years... And when things get rough for Vince McMahon in the ratings and buy rates and general consensus go, who does he call? Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Wow. Um, until Paul Heyman came back a few years ago at the side of Brock Lesnar, he was all but done with the company and wrestling in general having focused on his friendship with Brock Lesnar, helping Brock write a book, running the Heyman Hustle, etc., etc. And, uh, you know, it seemed like he was finished with, uh, with pro wrestling. Ever since he did come back, only thing Heyman has been focused on is an on-screen character representing Brock Lesnar. And I assume there's a little bit of type of old-school pro wrestling management where... Because of their real-life friendship, I think Heyman probably does a whole lot more for Brock Lesnar because of his role and because of their friendship. Nevertheless, this whole time that Heyman has been back, he has had no power. Eric Bischoff. Now, Eric Bischoff has been gone from the WWE for a very long time. And it is very important to remember that despite being the on-screen GM uh, for Raw and all sorts of other auxiliary capacities, Eric Bischoff never actually held any position of creative or administrative authority or any type of stroke or power in the WWE ever. 
He was always an on-screen character, no different than, let's say, a Corey Graves or a Mike Chioda or even a wrestler. He was simply a paid on-air talent. But now, Heyman and Bischoff are given what on the surface seems like an incredible amount of power. And so at least as we introduce this topic, I'm going to treat it thusly. And then we'll sort of winnow it down uh, once we start talking about the fact that it is Vince who is giving this power, and the Vince giveth, and the Vince taketh away. <laughs> but here on the surface, Heyman and Bischoff have been named the executive directors for Raw and SmackDown. Heyman for Raw, Bischoff for SmackDown. Now, what does that mean? Well, the reports say that as executive director, they will be in complete charge of creative for those brands, answering only to Vince McMahon. So that says to me, anyone and everyone, from finish guys to agents to producers to writers to uh, other executives, I presume that would include... Stephanie and Triple H all have to answer if they're in the red ship to Paul Heyman or on board the blue ship to Eric Bischoff. And then in Heyman and Bischoff have only to answer, only to report to Vincent Kennedy McMahon himself. That's the report. That is the basis on which they were assigned these titles. If it stays even close to that, that is a Huge, huge shakeup in WWE creative. That's a superstar shakeup. No, that's um, that is crazy. And there are so many questions I have about this um, that I I want immediate answers to, and I'll never get them. First of all, Triple H has to be furious because, yes, he does. <laughs> and probably Stephanie, um, if not for herself, at least for her husband Triple H, um, because he's not the guy. You know, Vince McMahon went like old school. I mean, this Vince McMahon calling in Heyman and uh, Bischoff, especially Bischoff, it's uh, it harkens back. I'll make it about comics for you, Darren. Uh, it, it's like when Venom had to go get Spider-Man's help when Carnage became a big threat. Like to me, th like, that's exactly <laughs> what this is, right? This is like when Doctor Doom comes to the Fantastic Four and says, "Look, we don't like each other, but Kang the Conqueror's fucking shit up. We have to take this guy out." You know what I mean? This whole common enemy thing is such a powerful concept, and it makes things like this happen, which that headline made me give a shit about WWE to a level that I have not cared in such a long time. I was immediately like, oh, well, AEW can't be the next WCW if Vince McMahon gives SmackDown to Eric Bischoff and makes that the next WCW. Brilliant, Darren. Brilliant. It, it's very it's very smart also uh what was that conversation when vince mcmahon said bischoff i'm giving you a show and bischoff went all right raw no no paul Heyman's getting raw paul Heyman is getting raw you're getting smackdown i'm sure he was like damn it all right fine you know like <laughs> you think though i wonder what bischoff thinks about Heyman getting the flagship show paul Heyman and bischoff getting the lesser show but to me 
Bischoff's got a bigger challenge ahead of him. He has, he's going to have a smaller network, right? He's got the smaller show. He's going to have to make that thing the little engine that could. And it's a win-win because this right here is for shock value. But also Bischoff, he knows wrestling very well. There's a lot of potential there. But if it fails, he can at least blame Bischoff. You know what I mean? And and oh, love, sure. love, love or hate Bischoff, you know, Monday Night Wars, Bischoff won. You know what I mean? Like, he beat Vince McMahon's WWF for at least a year and a half or two years worth of ratings. That was unheard of. They said that could not happen. He did that. You know what I mean? Bischoff was winning the ratings war. He took the viewers away from WWF. Ultimately, WCW went away, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of people to blame about that. But for a good long while, Bischoff was the guy steering WCW, and it was the ship that was outpacing WWF. So there is definitely something with that. McMahon knows that. You know, McMahon has to... He, he might not especially like Heyman. He might not especially like Bischoff. But he respects those two. He does not like nor respect Cody Rhodes. So, no. no um, I, I still don't know how Vince McMahon really feels about Dusty Rhodes. He would have you believe that he loved and cherished Dusty Rhodes always or at least those last six or eight years uh that he had him under his thumb and he had him working down in orlando creating the next generation of of uh superstars i'm doing air quotes here um because <laughs> a lot of those people are now gone um those people that were raised up under dusty in, in at, at nxt in the performance center but regardless of if vince is telling us the truth or not about him loving dusty we know that at this point he hates Cody and he probably hates Dustin too. Uh, and yeah, as cool as some of the graphics are going to be, uh, I think TNT television is going to do for AEW. The only new graphic that I'm interested in seeing is a slow motion walking toward the camera shot of Vince, Bischoff, and Heyman. Because if the three of them come walking toward the camera in front of the WWE logo kind of in slow motion all like all every single part of me that says we need to move on will will kneel at the feet of the parts of me that says uh-uh let's just look back <laughs> right because um, that's what he's doing whether it's going to work or not is yet to be seen but that's exactly what he's doing. That's his thinking. That's what he believes will work, is going back to the drawing board. He's gone back to his own drawing board repeatedly, and now I think, whether it's looking for a scapegoat or looking for a true solution, he is turning to Heyman and Bischoff. He's turning to ECW and WCW to resurrect WWE in the face of a new uh, corporate wrestling entity. That's exciting. The, the, it's this, very exciting. This is all so exciting. Um, and like I said, just interesting. And I wish I could be a fly on the wall for these conversations. Um, and it's crazy because, I mean, th these, these weren't announcements that were made on Raw or SmackDown Live. Uh, so you know it's not a puppet regime 
Right, you know, it's not like, oh, new general cool. manager, Paul Heyman. Like, yeah, right, Vince. Yeah, he's 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 in charge, just like Baron Corbin was in charge, or Mick Foley was in charge, right? Um, so, I mean, it seems legitimate. I mean, it maybe maybe the announcement should have broke on each show again, more of the surprise aspect of like, oh my god, like that happening. That needed to be a television moment. Vincent announcing that Heyman coming out, you know. And I've I've long been wanting Heyman to have a larger role in the company, um, or, or just see more of him in general. Um, like, I'd fucking, watching a lot of old WCW lately, like, I want the fucking Dangerous Alliance back, or something like that. Such a cool stable. But then again, you know me, I thirst for stables, I, I thirst for managers, and, uh, the, the whole, uh, team dynamic of, like, four or five people that have no business being together, but they're all managed by the same person, so it works somehow. Um. It's great. Dangerous oh, it's great. Alliance, Heenan family. Oh, absolutely. They, all that stuff is wonderful. You know, you mentioned uh, that Bischoff had a steeper hill to climb. He had a greater challenge ahead. Um, and that the smaller network um, might be something that would be maybe perceived as being uh, a gift. Maybe that would be less pressure. But this smaller network is, is high demand. USA, <laughs> for better and for worse through decades now has pretty much stood by WWE. The one time they split ways was probably all on Vince going looking for more money and finding it or whatever he was doing when he went to Spike TV or the National Network as it was known at the time. And I think that's now the Paramount Network. I that's that's weird. But anyway, the thing is USA is going to stand by Raw, I think forever fox sports however is buying something they want to work they are investing in new programming they're investing in what they believe is a uh, a marketable commodity that's going to bring ratings it's going to bring ad dollars it's going to bring some some new eyes some new ears some notoriety some some buzz, if you will. And that is going to be a far greater challenge for Bischoff is he's been put in charge basically of expanding the WWE. Heyman, if he's the executive director of Raw, he just has to steady the ship. They're asking Bischoff to chart new waters. Sure. Like Bischoff is going to have to go off and I think maybe the reason Bischoff is the choice for that is because Bischoff is the television guy. Bischoff, when he became the executive vice president of WCW, that really didn't matter as far as what as booking was concerned. Kevin Sullivan was his booker. The wrestling was the wrestling. WCW still managed itself like WCW. When Eric Bischoff took over in 94, 95, whatever, uh, in that EVP role, it was because he was a Turner television executive. And while he was running Nitro, he was also running Thunder. He was also dabbling in other television products. When, he, when WCW closed down, Bischoff went for other television deals. When Bischoff and Hogan went to get involved with Dixie Carter and, and the Panda and uh, and in Nashville and Orlando, the whole TNA debacle, that was television brokering 
as far as Bischoff was concerned. Hogan was, of course, just trying to put himself over in a wrestling ring all over again <laughs> and spotlight his daughter by marrying her to Bubba Dudley. But anyway, um, Bischoff is the TV guy. So I think it makes sense to make him the SmackDown um, executive director because he can deal with the Fox people. Because I guarantee you Fox people are not going to simply stand by on a text message or an email uh, or a Skype. They're going to be Fox dudes at SmackDown for at least half a year wanting to know, wanting to monitor their stuff. They're looking for a return on this investment. Like I said, it's not the old school handshake agreement that probably exists between USA and Vince McMahon. Sure, sure. And, you know, you can't blame them for, you know, checking in on their investment at least or being invested in their investment. So, and it's 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 going to be a new channel, which that in itself is a challenge. You have to, you got to find your audience there unless people just tune in for Hulu, you know, however, however it's done these days. I'm not sure. Um but no, I mean, it's just, I, I can't wait for all of this to kind of take effect. And I, I'd like to, I look forward to seeing the two shows kind of shape into what they're going to be. Um, and if they're two very different shows, it's, it's always going to be like two separate products. Like, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I'm really excited about this. Like, it's like one has to succeed, right? One has to be as awesome as you think it could be. You know what I mean? Like, Right. They can't go 0 for 2 with this. They've got to to do well. Sure. Somebody has to. And I love the idea that they're going to get further and further apart. Different networks. They're controlled by two different former company, you know, showrunners, for lack of a better term. Sure. Um, these guys are going to be operating on different planes. Uh, I'm sure they're probably going to get stuck with the same with, with some of the same writers. And yes, of course, they both have to answer to Vince McMahon, but I'm with you. I think they could truly uh, go off in two different directions. I will say, despite all the, the hype that I just gave Bischoff as the right guy for Fox, uh, Dave Meltzer has already reported that Fox um, would have preferred Heyman. <laughs> for which is bizarre, which is very bizarre. I, I Probably because Paul Heyman has a higher uh, Twitter uh, following, I imagine. I, I, I'm sure it's something like that because if you know wrestling at all, you know that Bischoff's a better businessman and Paul Heyman is more of a loose cannon. You know what I mean? Right. So obviously they don't know much about... They don't really know enough about these two guys, do they? No, no, they don't. And in fact, they didn't know anything about these moves and it just shows how... like It just shows to, to me how much Vince knows they don't know. That he did not consult with NBC Universal. He did not consult with Fox Network and say, hey, we're making this drastic change in both administration and creative. <laughs> he just did it. Um, now, that reeks of desperation. That's him trying to, that's like, oh, so I'm going to have a house guest. I got to go clean my bathroom real fast. Like Vince knows. <laughs> We've all been there, folks. We've all been there. There's hey, a, there's a lady there, coming I, over. I got to scrub my tub. And I think that that's what Vince is doing here. He's like, October will be here in a minute. And uh, Fox needs a product. Fox needs the product they think they were buying. And what they've got right now ain't it. Sure. And so... 
I don't know. I'm super, super excited about this. I'm very curious about it. It's going to have me watching. I, I mean, I, um, there are some reports that say it's going to be slow and gradual and that we may not see a – it's not going to be like during the Monday Night Wars and this next Monday and Tuesday it's going to look completely different or feel completely different. They said it will be gradual. Um, I say shake it up. I say throw it in the blender and hit you know hit high speed because uh, that's what the company needs right now. Uh, I think that Stopping Grounds provided a little bit of that. I think this week's television even provided a little bit of it. And um, I think that Extreme Rules is shaping up to be a, a pay-per-view uh, that on paper is better than a lot uh, of WWE pay-per-views for quite some time in recent history. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Heyman and Bischoff are going are gonna to do big things. Number one question. Will they appear on air simultaneously being the character that they are or that they actually are backstage? Like, are they going to embody their 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 shoot role on screen? Good question. I um I can see why you do not put them on screen. Because if you do, it makes it seem like, oh, they're they're not really in charge. It's just their their characters on television like they've always been, um, in WWE anyway. Um, but at the same time, it's like they are characters. So why would you not use them, you know? I mean, Bischoff being in charge works better when you see Bischoff around being in charge. Uh, Heyman, yes. Heyman yes. same thing. And Heyman's over. People, people have mixed feelings on Lester, but everyone fucking loves Paul Heyman. I mean... To me, my favorite part about Brock Lesnar is Paul Heyman. So why would you not have Paul Heyman on television? Um, so I, I have a feeling you're, you're going to see them on television. Well, uh, this is going to be a, a gnarly and kind of weird segue here. Um, but our next story, uh, had it come to fruition, we would not see Paul Heyman on screen or even have any news to report on Paul Heyman. Because our next story about Tommy Dreamer includes the possibility that Paul Heyman would have been very seriously dead uh, for some time by, by the time we reach today. In an interview, Tommy Dreamer of Extreme Championship Wrestling fame, famous for always being an ECW diehard stalwart, he stood by Paul Heyman's side. Uh, in the dying days, he stood there. He stood there in ECW, even when Paul Heyman uh, betrayed him with a kiss and appeared surprisingly on WWF programming. And uh, I mean, the Viking funeral that was the death of ECW. One person, one person went down with that ship, and it was Tommy Dreamer. Um, well, in this interview, Tommy Dreamer talked about uh, how depressed he was, how truly depressed he was during those dying days of ECW. And when we say days, we actually mean months, and we actually mean like years, <laughs> like at least a year and a half, two years. I mean, ECW was literally living on borrowed time and borrowed money for half of its ride on top 
but it was slowly dying for multiple years. It didn't appear so on screen. It was still badass, but it was in shambles financially. Sure, it was kind of like Mr. Orange and Reservoir Dogs, Tim Tim Roth, who's just bleeding to death the entire movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yes. Kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be okay. <laughs> Say the goddamn word. You're gonna be okay. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, right. so Tommy Dreamer. With all that in mind, uh, we know about Tommy Dreamer and ECW. Yeah, and he was just giving this interview, and he was talking about the depression at the time, and how he had he uh, invested all of his personal money. He had invested some of his family money, and then he said something very curious, which was. At that time and at that place, the background, the particular background he came from, he had a quote-unquote mob mentality. And what does the mob do when, you know, when they need to get rid of a problem? You know, they, they give you more they, time to solve the problem? No. Oh. No, no, no. They send you to sleep with the fishes. Oh, man. Right? It's like Peter Griffin said when he... Wanted to join the mob. He's like, you want me to whack a guy? Off a guy? Whack off a guy? <laughs> well, Tommy Dreamer, apparently in his spiraling, spiraling depression uh, and his lack of faith in Paul Heyman and his, his feeling of extreme betrayal that not only had Paul left ECW to die and lied to Dreamer and wasted Dreamer's money, and Dreamer knew that he nor his family were going to see that money again. But Paul Heyman's last promise to Tommy, which was to get him a job with the WWE, Tommy even began to feel as if that was a lie. Because he saw like Spike Dudley and Rhino and all these other people appearing on WWF programming, and he had not so much as received a call from Paul or the VP of Talent Relations at the time, Jim Ross. So he started to believe that Heyman was simply lying to him one more time. Long story short, in this interview, Tommy Dreamer states that he had this, this dark fantasy or this, this weird delusion that he was going to attend WrestleMania 17, which, of course, ugh, they called X7, at uh, the time that dreamer would attend. He would enter the building with a handgun. He would jump the guardrail and he would shoot Paul Heyman and kill him live on pay-per-view before. And I quote Tommy dreamer hitting his pose and then shooting himself. All right, Tommy, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you needed to get that off of your chest, then you needed to tell your therapist. And at most, you needed to tell Paul Heyman. This never needed to be public knowledge. The fact that we're talking about this right now is not a good thing. I, my, my image, and I understand depression. We've talked about mental health issues on this show before. I am very understanding and very understanding of where Tommy and Tommy's delusions began. Um, I understand unwanted thoughts. 
But here we are 20 years later. It didn't happen. Tommy and Paul have long since reconciled. Making this story public is doing absolutely no one any good. And despite my understanding of the dark place Tommy was at the time, he's now tainted. Like this, this taints Tommy Dreamer to me. This is not, this did not need to be made public. This is not, it's not cool. It's not something you talk about. No, absolutely. Uh, it's not what you want to hear uh, from someone that you've admired, you know, or from anyone in, in general. Um, this bizarre revenge fantasy that Tommy Dreamer had that would have ended Paul Heyman's life, ended his own life, and traumatized, you know, 50,000 plus people in attendance. Um, I mean, that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, we could have lived our whole lives not knowing about this, especially something that didn't happen. But the fact that it was in his mind, and I feel I feel bad for this interviewer. Who probably was like, oh, so you fought Terry Funk? What was that like? You know, and then, oh, by the way, I I entertained the notion that I would smuggle a handgun into WrestleMania 17 or X7, I'm sorry, and I would shoot Paul Heyman in front of an audience, uh, on a, a, a televised audience as well, and then kill myself. And that would have been a, f a fine thing to do. Uh, obviously, that's horrible. Uh, and he had... He had and probably still has some issues. Uh, but yeah, that's something... And what the fuck did Paul Heyman think when he read about that or heard about that? You know what I mean? What What are you supposed to... How are you supposed to react to that? You think Paul called Tommy up and went, Man, I guess you are the innovator of violence. You know, like, I mean, just... <laughs> I'm sure Heyman would laugh it off and say, Oh, Tommy, but that's some serious shit. Right? There, there's no other way to say it. I... Like I said... I think at most, the farthest this thought should have ever gone was Tommy telling Paul. Because it went much further than that, I'd like to believe that this isn't the first time Paul Heyman heard about this, that maybe Tommy did tell his therapist, and then Tommy did tell Paul, and instead of turning that valve back into the off position, he decided to tell the whole world. Right. But... I'd like to think Paul already knew this, and because they have reconciled, maybe that was part of the reconciliation, is, is that, you know, Tommy was very thorough about the fact that, yeah, I mean, because it's easy to say, like, yeah, I hated you, or I was mad at you, and we made up. It's another thing to say, I seriously considered murdering you. Right. I mean, like, Tommy Dreamer feels like he was used up, you know, as a person... As a, a business associate, you know, his dealings with Heyman almost bankrupted him, as you said, uh, you know, putting all that money in. And, you know, again, his body torn up from, you know, taking bumps and getting hit with all kinds of blunt and sharp instruments. Um, so I, I understand why you would have a very emotional reaction to someone who did that to you. But this is next level, right? I mean... It is. This is not okay. This is very disturbing. This goes beyond, like, hood justice or street justice where you don't like someone. You fucking find them in some alley somewhere or some parking lot somewhere and just beat the shit out of them and, you know, run off. This this goes way beyond that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say except for yikes. Uh, anyone who is going to maybe ride or... Uh, hotel room shack up with uh, dreamer because he still wrestles might think twice about it now 
Um, <laughs> it's it's that's just so bizarre to hear about. Like just again, that's just something you don't want to ever know about someone else, you know. So, in closing, I think that the one takeaway that's bigger than Tommy Dreamer, it's bigger than the animosity that Dreamer had uh, for Heyman. Uh, and there we go. Uh, like I said, the segue was from a Heyman story to a Heyman story. But I think that that we can actually tie it back to the to the opening headline here. That period of wrestling was so momentous. That period of 1996 to 2001 changed the lives of fundamentally changed the lives and the livelihoods of every single person working in the wrestling industry. And it changed entertainment. It changed television. It changed fans of sports entertainment, changed fans of entertainment. It changed fans of sports and wrestling that five-year period was so incredible that it drove personal uh, allegiances to splinter and dissolve and disintegrate. It led people to think about murder. It led to multinational corporations um, fearing bankruptcy. It involved corporate mergers. It involved stock trading. I mean, five years Five years in professional fucking wrestling changed part of American culture so fundamentally. And I think that therein lies why Vince McMahon, whose head is probably spinning at record low numbers as far as television ratings go, that's why Vince said, I, uh, I don't know, call, uh, call Heyman and Bischoff. <laughs> uh, because everyone at this point in WWE, and I think all of us, it's why I'm finishing at this time. I'm, I'm, I'm in the last 60 pages of that Guy Evans Nitro book. And that book, it also encapsulates that five-year period of just monumental, like seismic change. Uh, in in the terms of pro wrestling as well as television entertainment, and uh, again, that's why Tommy Dreamer became uh, <laughs> the most homicidal, suicidal, genocidal uh, maniac uh, in wrestling. Take that, Sorry, Sabu. Sabu. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Sabu. Um, and that's why Heyman and Bischoff are being elevated to these positions. So, wow. Um, I, Cody Rhodes wanted to kill the Attitude Era. It is alive and well, baby. It is reborn. You want to talk about a new Genesis? Here you have it. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> let's leave behind the odd Tommy Dreamer story. Uh, and speaking of AEW, AEW Fighter Fest is this weekend. Darren, looking forward to it? I am super looking forward to it. And then the. <laughs> One of the main reasons I'm looking forward to it is because it's not double or nothing. And that is uh, twofold. Two different reasons I say that. One, you know how disappointed I was with double or nothing. And two, 
this isn't going to cost me $50. (laughs) Fighter Fest is free, baby, on Bleacher, on the Bleacher Report app. Um, I guess you could probably find find your way there through BleacherReport.com or Bleacher Report Live or whatever. But uh, yeah, from Daytona Beach, the Ocean Center, Fighter Fest, brought to us by AEW and CEO Gaming. This is something I know existed in a in some form, some different form, at least last year, maybe longer than that, but last year was the first year it came to my attention. Kenny Omega is the guy behind this um, co-branding operation. He's the one that's bringing AEW to Daytona and involving them in what I think is a gamers convention, primarily. Um, but at the end of this whole thing, there will be an AEW show. Um Kenny Omega himself will be teaming up with the Young Bucks to take on the Lucha Brothers and the Laredo Kid. The, the, and then there's there's two matches that I just, like, that match is going to be great. It really will be. That'll be an excellent six-man tag. There's two matches, though, that, hell, I hate to admit, I would pay $50 just to watch the following two matches. Keep it down, Derek. Keep it down. The, the cons will hear you. Yes. John Moxley versus Joey Janela in an unsanctioned match. So I think this is going to get pretty gnarly. It's going to get pretty nasty. And the second match, which is worth the price of admission, is Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. You know, so I'm pretty excited about this. The rest of the card is kind of eh, but... <laughs> But those three big matches are big. Those three matches are, are considerable matches, and I'm very excited about them. Very, very excited. But, yeah, that is Saturday the 29th of June at 8 p.m. They have a pre-show that starts at 7 p.m. Uh, both of them are free. I'm excited to, to watch them. Yeah, I'm excited uh, for it. Uh, free AEW. I'm, I'm definitely all for that. I'm all in for free AEW. Looking forward to Fighter Fest, uh, more so than Flighter Fest. Uh, Fighter Flight, Flighter Fest, no good. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not all winners, folks. Hard to believe. Uh, so that's hey, going on. You know what? You know what, Perry? Huh? Even the losers get lucky sometimes. Aw, thanks, Tom Petty. Uh, speaking of uh, Florida, Daytona, but uh, yeah, he's from Gainesville. Uh, so that's a that's a big thing going on uh, next month though. Uh, AEW is putting up their next big show, and it's going to go head to head, head to head with WWE's Evolve show. That's right, uh, Fight for the Fallen, which will be on Saturday the thirteenth of July. That will be, I guess, the third AEW show proper in Jacksonville, Florida, home of Tony Khan. And uh, I guess, I don't know, is it the home of AEW? I don't know what the, are they going to, are they going to make it Las Vegas? Are they going to make it uh, Chicago? Are they going to make it Atlanta? Are they going to make it Jacksonville? I vote for Jacksonville. That's where the money's coming from. That's where the banks that have all of AEW's money are uh, reside. So I'm going to say my vote's for Jacksonville. Well, it will be the home of AEW. Uh, on the 13th of July. Fight for the Fallen, which if uh, Fighter Fest is Kenny Omega's baby, this one is Tony Khan's baby. Tony Khan, very passionate 
uh, about not only AEW, but about using his fortune and his family's fortune to do some good. Um, even though his father is of um, Middle Eastern origin, Tony himself calls Jacksonville, Florida home. So to him, Jacksonville, Florida is a very important place. You, you too, Perry, you also call Jacksonville, Florida home. Sure. When I was born there, I, I called it home for 11 years. You bet. Yeah. Well, home, I mean, birthplace. Uh, but Tony Khan is not only proud of Jacksonville, he is also uh, sympathetic to, to the, the problems that, that they are facing. And part of Fight for the Fallen is that the proceeds will be contributed uh, to victims of gun violence in Duval County. And that is a, a huge county. Uh, the entire county is also the city limits of Jacksonville. I know Duval County well. It's where I was born and raised, yes. I think that it's a very good thing that this show is, is, is funding some major contributions to victims of gun violence in Duval County. Now, so Fight for the Fallen, that's what it's for. That's when it's happening. That's the AEW aspect of it. Kenny Omega sending out angry tweets and, of course, deleting them afterward has to do with the fact that WWE is airing, like you said, Evolve Wrestling's 10th anniversary show on the network. They're airing it at the same time that Fight for the Fallen will be airing on the Bleacher Report app. Fight for the Fallen, by the way, much like Fighter Fest, and unlike Double or Nothing, will also be free. So, you've got a completely free pay-per-view, Fight for the Fallen, out of AEW, head-to-head, head-to-head, with what is ostensibly a free pay-per-view, but you do have to pay $9.99 a month to watch Evolve's 10th anniversary show on the WWE Network. Now, both of these shows will be in Florida. Both of these are considered, I don't know, less than WWE. Evolve is not officially a part of WWE, but they're as close to a true feeder system as WWE has anymore. In the absence of an FCW or an OVW, Evolve uh, sort of serves in that role. A lot of the NXT stars and a lot of people that are now on Raw and SmackDown were involved with Evolve. And uh, so they have a pretty close relationship. Kenny Omega, his tweet. this is what his tweet said that he actually deleted. He said, if lining your pockets with blood money is okay, which is, I'm sure, a reference to the Saudi deal, then what's wrong with trying to undermine a charity show for victims of gun violence? Now, okay. now, 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 maybe he means someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly Kenny Omega is upset with the fact that WWE, um, as are lots of people, that WWE is still making good on this deal with Saudi Arabia, despite their very ugly record for human rights violations um, and being particularly... Uh, derided with American public sentiment in 2018 and 2019. And yet Vince and his merry band of sports entertainers keep uh, flying over there and wrestling for the royal family. So not only is Kenny Omega upset about that, but now he's doubling down, <laughs> uh, if you will, 
because uh, all things AEW have to do with playing cards. Um, he thinks that this whole Evolve thing is just Triple H and Vince trying to just stick their nose into somebody else's business and just being particularly dirty. Now, I know you want to speak to the fact that, oh, no, shock and awe. How can they? They're dirty. There's underhanded tactics in wrestling. But before you get to that, let me very briefly say. You don't know my mind. Let me very briefly say, real quick, this show was was scheduled for this date and time by Evolve long before WWE was, was involved with it in any way, shape, or form. So is it coincidentally beneficial to WWE to be able to stick it to AEW? Sure it is. They, they can't not recognize the coincidence and the happy accident of the scheduling. But Evolve was going to put on this show regardless of WWE's involvement. Evolve was going to put on the show regardless of AEW's um, whatever. Well put, well put. Uh, well, I mean, how could uh, how can the wrestling business be so shady and undermined and... Oh, no, you're right. I, I was going to say that. Um, no, no. Uh, Kenny Omega... <laughs> Uh, whether it was uh, directly because of AEW show or not, Kenny Omega can't be surprised by tactics like this. You know what I mean? Um, well, first of all, don't AEW executive does not need to sweat competition from an Evolve show. You know what I mean? I mean, unless you are a diehard wrestling fan, you're not going to give a shit, right? Casual wrestling fans don't even know what fucking Evolve is at this point. Uh, and, that, and that's not a dig at Evolve. That's just the casual viewer knows what they see on SmackDown and Raw. Maybe a little bit of NXT, but not actually watch the show. That's that's your casual wrestling fan, right? So Omega can't sweat a, a, a lesser than WWE, lesser than NXT branded show happening, you know, at the same exact time that his show happens. AEW is going to be fine. They're going to have plenty of viewers. It's going to be fine. They're, I mean... Real wrestling fans are the ones who watch AEW anyway. They're also the ones that probably know about Evolve and might be looking forward to the show. But that just means they're going to watch both shows. So that, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to get upset at all. I'm not going to attack or defend Kenny Omega. I'm not going to attack or defend WWE's decisions to put this on the, uh, on the network. I'm happy about it. I don't want to get on some really obscure app and pay way too much to watch this Evolve show. I'm super stoked about watching it for free on the reliable WWE Network. I'm going to watch the hell out of that Evolve show. I'm also going to watch AEW. Can I watch them at the same time? No, I can't. Oh, darn. I'll just watch one of them the next day. Right. You know, Kenny Omega is super upset about this because this is is newer than the news that WWE was going to run uh, an NXT UK takeover in Cardiff the same day as the August uh, AEW pay-per-view All Out, which is their return to Chicago that they're hyping. Well, <laughs> of all things, Rocky Romero decided to chime in in an interview today, actually, uh, saying that there are actually three major cards going on that day because New Japan will be running a card in England. So not only is it on the same day 
as All Out and take over Cardiff. But by virtue of New Japan Pro Wrestling running this show in England, it's now in very close proximity to the WWE show. So guess what I say about that day? That's going to be like Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to have like three. Um, you know, I'm going to watch AEW on one day. I'm going to watch NXT UK on one day. I'm going to watch New Japan on another day. Or I may try to squeeze them all into the same day, just one after another. <laughs> they These guys can get upset if they want to. But as we say far too often, you know who wins? The fans. The fans. I'm stoked about this competition, man. That's kind of like your birthday and Christmas are the same day. So you get all this attention and all these presents uh, if you're lucky. Um, But no, it it would be funny if AEW were running a show in Japan. That way the circle would have been complete. UK running a show over here in the United States. New Japan running a show over in England. And AEW. The U.S. show running a show in, in Japan. Anywho, uh, yeah, Gideon Omega needs to cool his jets uh, and not worry about things that haven't happened yet. And AEW still has plenty of momentum. There's nothing to worry about. It's going to be fine, Kenny. Kenneth! Kenneth Omegans! It's going to be fine. Just go out and put on a good show that I know you're going to do. So, that's all. And again, don't be surprised when you do something like take a sledgehammer and destroy Triple H's throne on your show uh, when, you know, that, that might make Triple H upset and, and do underhanded things. That's all. That's all. Too true. Speaking of Triple H and the rest of the WWE gang, they had themselves a good old-fashioned network-exclusive stomping grounds, which I thought was like a pay-per-view named for their Universal Champion Seth Rollins, but it certainly is only Roman Reigns on that poster. Uh, which I found very interesting. It's like, wait, who is this show for? Anyway, Dan- and he's also he's also not even stomping. He's doing the stupid Superman punch. Yeah, the, yeah. not the Superman punch, but like landing, pose, the, like the, the the landing superhero pose. I yeah, guess. yeah. There you go. That uh, has nothing to do with stomping at all. Yeah, it should be called uh, punching grounds. Uh, so, Darren, you and I had our predictions for what would go down at stomping grounds. Let's see how right or wrong we were. Let's do it. This is Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model, reminding you kids to be like me. Eat steak, lift weights, and drink whiskey. And listen to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. On Sunday, the 23rd of June, 2019, from the Tacoma Dome in Tacoma, Washington, WWE brought us Stomping Grounds for the very first time. Brand new pay-per-view name for the WWE Network. And we had nine big matches. And the show went off at 10 o'clock. It went off at 10 An official 6 to 7 p.m. pre-show and a 7 to 10 p.m. network special. That's kind of weird. It's so weird not... Now... I ended up watching the hour-long special about Alexa Bliss that premiered right afterward. So it was still 11.30 before I stopped looking at my TV. But <laughs> we're, 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 conditioned, not, we're conditioned to watching wrestling at five hours at a time, Darren. I understand completely. Exactly. But arguably, I could have gotten up at 10.01 p.m. and done something else after a WWE pay-per-view. And that's kind of weird. Well, out of these nine matches, they had only one 
that aired during that pre-show, and that was the uh, Cruiserweight title match. The match that we saw, Tony Nese, the champion, defend against Akira Tozawa and Drew Gulak. By the way, Tozawa and Gulak, who will be appearing on that Evolve show, Tozawa is challenging Adam Cole, baby, for the NXT Championship, and Matt Riddle will be challenging Drew Gulak for the uh, uh, Cruiserweight Championship. Right, and speaking of Akira... Oh. Not that Gulak has it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, speaking of Akira Tozawa, I do want to make a correction from last week's episode uh, where I said Akira Tozawa was never Cruiserweight Champion. He was Cruiserweight Champion for a week. Uh, Hashtag your listener, Ryan. Uh, You were correct about that. Uh, I apologize. But I'm more upset about something else that I got wrong, folks. When I said that uh, I was I was the cleaner, I was a regular Kira Sedgwick. Uh, that was not the show Kira Sedgwick was on. It was the closer, and I <laughs> <laughs> I realized I re- I corrected myself on that one a few days later when I thought about it, uh, and I was like, oh wait, I got that wrong on the show. I got to bring that up. So wait, is that just because you got your wires crossed with the word, or was there also? A show called The Cleaner. I'm sure there was a show called The Cleaner, but I know for a fact Kira Cedric was the closer. So Okay, wait a minute. I got a quick question. Around that same time, after My Name is Earl, Jason Lee had a show on TNT as well. Memphis. What was that? Memphis something. Okay, so that wasn't called The Cleaner. No, no. It was called like, uh, (laughs) it was called Jason Lee's Mustache Does All the Acting for Him. Oh, come on. I like Jason Lee. He's a nice, He says the nicest things about you. I wasn't being mean to Jason Lee. I was n- naming the show. You're welcome. Oh, but you were... I know what you did. <laughs> so you this, did. Match, well, this match is really good, right? Wasn't this a really good match? A very good match. Very good match. Memphis uh, beat... Drew Gulak went... Mem- Mem- no, wait, wait, wait. Stop. Right there. Memphis beat... Was the name of the show where he was a he was a detective in Memphis. There you go. There you go. Okay, I'm gonna call it the cleaner though. Uh, just 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 so we're, that we're clear on that. Okay. Also, I don't think he had a mustache on that show. Oh, he did, baby. He did. Also, he, the cleaner. The cleaner was a TV show. Looking at IMDb here, uh, the cleaner was a TV show. It ran for two seasons, starring Benjamin Bratt. Uh, and no one else I know of. The end. What was he cleaning? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have something terrible to say about Benjamin Bratt? <laughs> no, no. Uh, and, what and, about Kira Sedgwick? And Benjamin Bratt, we we trust. Oh, no, Darren, you're right. He does not have a mustache in this poster. I told you. Oh, well done. Well done. I guess after having to have that giant mustache from My Name is Earl... I always said that my name is Earl. He transformed into a like a different person, and that's the thing I thought about that Memphis Beat show. It was like, oh, he got to go back to looking like Jason Lee again. Sure, the show was going to be called My Name Is Mustache, but continue cruiserweight match. <laughs> Instead, they called it the Cleaner. <laughs> I meant my name is Earl. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, Tony Nese was wrestling against Kira Sedgwick and Benjamin Bratt. And, um, no, Kira <laughs> Tozawa and Drew Gulak 
And it was a good match. It was a very good match, and Gulak wins. This was a good triple threat. These are the ones that I like. Sure, somebody will take a powder so that two people can go at it uh, without complete calamity uh, from bell to bell. But it wasn't protracted. It was like somebody would go out, but then they would come right back in. It felt well-paced Good momentum uh, for a triple threat. Uh, but yeah, Gulak leaves with the championship. Uh, this is a classic example of us saying, there's no way they're going to take the belt off of Tony Nese. Uh, we don't always say that about Tony Nese, but we always say it about somebody or other. And uh, it just so happens this time we said it about Tony Nese, and we were wrong. Well, I mean, I did mention that triple threats were a good time for an upset. So I did kind of cover you my did. tracks a little bit on that one. But yes, you did. But it's always a drag when we start out with the first. Uh, picking the first match wrong. Yeah. Um, so the show starts, and I was I was very surprised with the Raw Women's Championship match. Becky Lynch, the man, the Raw Women's Championship, uh, <laughs> around her shoulder, uh, defended against the sassy Southern Belle. She's sassy. Sure, sure. The sassy Southern Belle, Lacey Evans, uh, is challenging Becky Lynch again. This is a rematch. This is a return match. Lacey Evans' second opportunity to take that white and red belt away from the man. Uh, She's not going to do it, but I continue to be impressed with Lacey Evans. I like Lacey Evans uh, as a wrestler. Um, Now, again, I've said it before. I'll probably say it again. I'm out to lunch on her personally. I've heard some things that I that don't make me very happy with her as a person, but it's uh, it's hearsay. As a WWE main roster performer, she's doing a hell of a job. Uh, I agree with that. Lacey Evans has uh, I've praised her for her in ring ability just because she has innovative maneuvers. She doesn't just do the typical stuff that she learned at the performance center. You know what I mean? And, and kind of settle with that. She does a lot of things I haven't seen anyone do before, uh, man or woman. Um, this match is fine. Becky Lynch calls most of it loudly, uh, which I did not like. There's also a missed spot where she tells Lacey to come after her in the turnbuckle. Becky has her back turned in the turnbuckle. And obviously the plan is for, for Lacey to come walking into Becky doing like a back kick. So Becky jumps up on the first, on the bottom rope to do the back kick and Lacey Evans is not there because she didn't move forward. So then Becky just kind of lands and then Lacey moves forward and Becky does it again. And it's like, no, no, if it failed the first time, do something else the second time, especially if it was going to be, you kick her and that's it. Just turn around and kick her. You know what I mean? I do. And that is unfortunate. Um, I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that we get, we've given Lacey Evans a lot of credit early, maybe too much. This is where she shows that she isn't the most seasoned uh, veteran wrestler. Um, But I do. I continue to be impressed by her. Uh, All mistakes aside, she has a hell of a presence. Well, hell of a presence. I agree with that. Maybe she should have been wrestling matches and working her way up to Becky Lynch instead of going straight to Becky Lynch. And now that she has two losses to Becky Lynch, how is she still a credible threat? to Becky Lynch's women's right. title. See, I, I don't like that at all. I like Becky Lynch and and, and Lacey Evans wrestling because that's going to be a good match, and it, it is a good match, but 
Now it's kind of like, well, then what do you do with Lacey Evans? She's lost cleanly to Becky Lynch twice. Oh, I know. But actually, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I I like where it's going. I actually like the the answer to that question. Where What are they going to do with her next? We know by the end of this night, by the end of the night in Tacoma, we'll know where they're going with it. And we'll certainly know the next night on Raw. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Also, stop tapping out to disarm her so quickly. Make it look like you're tough enough to take it for a little while. That's my other criticism. So Becky Lynch retains. Uh, up next, we have a tag team match. Big E and Xavier Woods, representing the New Day, take on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, can I just say for a second here, and this has absolutely nothing to do with this match, but everything to do with Xavier Woods. Okay. At this point, while he is not a champion, despite the fact that he's a dingleberry for the WWE champion, Kofi Kingston, uh, he doesn't have a championship. He's not involved in a major program. Um, I don't like the fact that if you pay attention to social media at all, uh, you can now see the man known as Xavier Woods actually referring to himself as Austin Creed as much or more than he refers to himself as Xavier Woods. Now, I know that that started uh, in earnest during the Up, Up, Down, Down, uh, his YouTube channel, or that's uh, a YouTube channel, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's dealing with uh, video games and stuff like that. Um, but at the point that WWE officially picked it up and supports Up, Up, Down, Down, then you sort of like, you don't need to go by Austin Creed even on Up, Up, Down, Down. And then like, there was something I saw, some YouTube video, and then like, he's there with like Seth Rollins or somebody else. And and like, they're calling everybody by their like Seth Rollins or Cesaro or whatever. Uh, and yet he's referring to himself as Austin Creed. And I don't like that at all. Like, right. You need to go by Xavier Woods. and uh, I don't know. I, I think WWE, which is usually so trigger-happy with handing out um, punishment, this this seems like this needs to be tended to. Somebody needs to pull him into a meeting. Don't You don't, you don't have to do anything bad. Just say, like, hey, what are you doing? Sure. You know, you're, you are Xavier Woods. Until you don't work for us anymore, you're Xavier Woods. Sorry. Yeah. And now, now they're going to own both of those names, so that's not smart. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right. So anyway, uh, this match, d- this this is a waste of, uh, of good talent, in my opinion. Uh, I think Kevin Owens is, is a world title contender. I think Sami Zayn needs to be wrestling singles matches against very talented singles wrestlers and showing off what he can do uh, as, as a... As a athlete as well as a storyteller meanwhile they're just stuck together uh this a few years ago they literally made a shirt that said fight forever i mean going back to steam versus generico i understand these guys being linked together but they make far better enemies than they do friends and i'm tired of this tag team i'm tired of them wasting kevin owens and Sami Zayn on mid-card tag team matches so i don't care 
I literally don't care about this match. Right. Well, we said uh, this match works better as two singles matches instead of a tag team match that you would see on Raw uh, or SmackDown Live. And uh, I stand by that. We were right about Owens and Zayn winning, though I was concerned that maybe this match would have been a slap on the wrist for not going over to the Middle East for a super showdown and they would have just lost. But I don't know. I, I, think, um, I think New Day needs a couple of losses if Kofi's not going to lose. To kind of like bring them back down to earth because, you know, Kofi's rise to power was kind of the New Day's, like, another rise to power to them. Because a lot of superstars got laid out so Kofi could get, like, the chance for, you know, the title shot and all that stuff. It was kind of like, man, like, they're they're kind of, like, killing their roster to make this Kofi thing happen. But uh, anyway, so it, it was actually nice that the New Day lost this one. Uh, all due respect to them. Just because, like, it, it's if they won at that point, it seems kind of like, well, then who could defeat the New Day all of a sudden? So it, it kind of it makes them normal again, which I, I like that. If that makes any sense at all. No, it, it does. I uh, this is one of those that I just I can't even expend the brain cell uh, trying to balance the equation. I just don't care. Sure, sure, that's fine. We got uh, it right, and we move on. <laughs> Let's move on. There you go. On the fourth match of the evening, U.S. champion Samoa Joe takes on Ricochet. Uh, also, uh, Samoan Joseph versus Richard O'Shea. <laughs> Thank you. This was a match that we picked. We both resoundingly picked Samoa Joe to retain the U.S. belt, and we were wrong. We're wrong. Uh, Ricochet absolutely wins this match, but he earned it. This was a good match. I feel very good about the fact that I said this could be the match we wanted to see when Joe fought Mysterio. Well, it was. This was definitely that match. I still would like to see Joe versus Mysterio in an awesome match, but until that day comes... We've at least got this badass match. I this I'd go back and watch this match. Sure, again, the, the, this this like we said, this match is as good as you would hope it would be. In spite of uh, Ricochet's uh, rough landing there in the very beginning, did you see that when he did the uh, the the bounce off the rope and land? He he fell he fell down, um, but luckily he landed the backflip off the top rope. So you can't fault the guy. That's the one you really want to land. Um, no, he, he absolutely wins this match. I think he surprised a lot of people uh, that he actually won. If, I found it odd that he went to the backstage area and there were like people like clapping and happy for Ricochet and Triple H was there like, here's that U.S. title that we really give a shit about. The one that we let Mysterio get off of Samoa Joe only for him to drop it back to Samoa Joe immediately. It means a whole lot. Um, I, I thought that was kind of weird. Like, why does everyone... Feel like the U.S. title's worth the shit all of a sudden because they haven't acted like yeah, that in a while. It was a total coronation moment, and it there was no reason for that. Yeah, like why there, is Charlotte Flair backstage? Why does she give a shit that Ricochet has won the U.S. title? Like it's right. uh, also this isn't like after three years of Ricochet trying to get the U.S. title and finally doing it. Right. Why, didn't this, why didn't this exact same thing happen earlier for Drew Gulak? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Why wasn't there like just a very, very mixed uh, smattering of, uh, of talent backstage going, hey, 
You did it, Drew. You did it. Triple H is like, I knew you could do it, baby. That's why I signed you five years ago and all that shit. So, yeah, th that was odd that they made too big of a deal out of this because no one cares about the U.S. title. They just don't. You know what I mean? They didn't even care about the, the, the IC championship. You know what I mean? The U.S. title was the WCW equivalent to the IC championship. So they actually don't care about that because it's not really even their belt. They they adopted it. They, they care about it as much as they care about an adopted child, you know, when they have way too many children. But I mean, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, in, 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 the, in the world of wrestling, I, I, I'm not trying to shit on adoptions. <laughs> don't take it that way, folks. I'm just trying to say, you know... It's it's not their title. It is because they inherited the title. So it, by default, it doesn't mean as much to them. Okay, this has nothing to do with adoptions. Once again, uh, <laughs> Darren, next match. Next match, Darren. So what you're saying is that parents don't love adopted children. Is yes, that what you're saying? That, that, that's what I hope everyone's takeaway was from that rant. Yes. Another problem with this, of course, is that Triple H is like doing the weird like Eskimo kisses with ricochet <laughs> and I this isn't NXT programming it's WWE programming Triple H is supposed to be a bad guy well, you know we're already forced to accept that if he's on the if the if the background is yellow he's a babyface but if the background is red or blue he's a heel and now they're blurring that line even further because his NXT baby, who's now on, I don't know, what show are they on? Raw or SmackDown? <laughs> Whatever. Flip a coin. Uh, now that they're on the main roster, he still treats them like they're NXT people? To the point that, like, I mean, he doesn't. At no other point on this night does he come out and, you know, oh, the, the king of kings is <laughs> <laughs> No, no, none of that. No, it's none of that. That's great that he's there to be happy for Ricochet, you know, from NXT doing well. Only problem with that is Samoa Joe is from NXT too. But uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever. It's really pointless. It was very, very pointless. Uh, and then we saw like later on Ricochet getting his picture taken with the belt. And then uh, Gallows and Anderson coming to congratulate him. And then AJ Styles coming to congratulate him. And then challenge him for the belt. And it's like, this is what's going to take some getting used to, I think. Because this seemed all so new and weird. So, of course, we want to shit on it because it wasn't great. So, so it was new, but not great. I think maybe we're going to have to bite our tongue a little bit because with Heyman and Bischoff, we're going to see a whole lot of new stuff. And until they figure out what's going to work going forward, we might get a lot of new but not great. And we probably need to just celebrate it for being new because at least it's new. Right. No, I, there, there's something there. But fast forward a little bit to Raw where we have AJ Styles versus Ricochet. Non-title match where Ricochet loses to AJ Styles, um, way to give away AJ Styles versus Ricochet for free. By the way, that could have you could have just let that build up, and that could have been Extreme Rules. You know what I mean? Which probably will happen, but now you've already seen it. You know what I mean? 
stop stop giving it away for free and and you know go back to a time where you didn't see people touch each other until the pay-per-view uh so that there's there's that also a way to make your your new champion lose instantly keeps the belt but still uh why even wrestle someone who's a champion if the belt's not on the line it's masturbatory at best oh there you go uh, next up, Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, like anyone cares, take on... <laughs> they care. Take on... Maybe. Tucker Knight and Otis Dozovic, uh, who I think they've already had their names shortened, right? Aren't they just... Yeah, they're they're just, uh, Tuh and Duh. <laughs> Are they... <laughs> Hashtag your listeners, I'm laughing. You don't hear me laughing because I was laughing so hard that I was doing the silent laugh. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, Tuh and Duh, also known as Milo and Otis. Right, uh, right. Well, good for them. I, I couldn't help but think during the match, like, man, if you would have told, like, you would have told Otis Dozovic a year ago, hey, man, you're going to be wrestling Daniel Bryan on a WWE pay-per-view next year. He'll be like, oh, no way! Boom, shaky, lucky! But, uh, so good for him. Good for him and Tucker Knight for uh, being on the PPV. But at the same time, what is happening? Again, why are Eric Rowan and and Daniel Bryan tag team champions? I, I still hate that. At least, I mean, say what, you, say what you want about Heavy Machinery. At least they're a tag team. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. And I, and I kind of liked them in NXT. I don't think I like him anymore. I, just, <laughs> I can't get into it. I don't like. I, I really can't get into it. I don't like Dozovic's weird. I don't like his weird shtick. I don't it's, like it. It's fine. It's fine. No, some some things get lost in translation uh, when they go from NXT, which is kind of the more playful. Like I, I can, I I can see a world where these people exist. You know, it's a WWE where it's like I can't see No Way Jose existing in this world. And that might be the prime example, right? Uh, yes. And actually, you bring up a very good point. I happen to see somewhere where Renee Young said she would love to bring back Tuesday Night Titans. Um, of course, for anyone who may be listening that doesn't know what that is, Tuesday Night Titans was a show uh, that aired with no wrestling at all. Oh, so um, raw. <laughs> oh, Oh, whoa, Darren, that was a Schweppes moment. Another Schweppes moment brought to you by Schweppes. Schweppes, a sparkling tradition since 1783. Yes, Schweppes, I've got one right here with me. Yeah, I've always got some Schweppes nearby. Uh, I keep it I keep it on my on my hip in a holster. <laughs> I'm a Schweppes holster is what I'm saying. It's, it's horribly shaken up by the time you get to drink it and it just explodes everywhere. And, you know, but I, I don't know. I love having sticky hands. Uh, or oh, well, is, is that sticky was, fingers? But was that the follow up to Rolling Stones' "Sticky Fingers" album? Okay. Yes, I'm a big Rolling Stones fan. Um, <laughs> That's accurate. Tuesday Night Titans was a show in the early '80s and mid '80s. It was a late night talk show style hosted by Vince McMahon himself sitting behind a desk a la Jimmy Fallon, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Conan O'Brien, Johnny Carson, Jay Leno, all those people. 
over all those years. Uh, at that time, though, I mean, this is pre-WrestleMania even. There was, like, this was very innovative I, television. And the thing was, the he, his sidekick was at various times either Lord Alfred Hayes or Mean Gene Okerlund. And Vince would then have a guest, and typically the guest would come out and talk. If the guest had a manager, they both came out and talked. Or if the manager was the only one who did the talking, then so be it. And they would have like an interview segment. And then they would go and they would do some other segment, like, you know, Hulk Hogan uh, teaching them how to make uh, like protein shakes. Or Hillbilly Jim teaching them how to milk a cow. Or Macho Man taking them to the gym. Or, and it was like, if you had that show and you f like further developed who Tucker and Otis were, then when they came to the ring to wrestle, you might be a little more invested because you're like, oh, right, those guys. Because so many of these characters don't have character anymore and they don't have a chance to build them in other companies because there just isn't the jumping back and forth anymore. So it's like they get, they, the, the wrestling audience just get such a teeny tiny little taste of who these people are. And sometimes they get no taste whatsoever. So I don't, I don't know why I should buy into Otis being this weirdo. There's no information <laughs> for it. And I was like, does he have Tourette's? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, sure, sure. Uh, no, that's fair. I mean, you, you might as well just bring back Talking Smack because that was one good thing about that show yeah. was that you got a little bit of extra personality, you know, for some of the wrestlers maybe you didn't know too much about. Um, and also, it was good for just that Talking Smack on your opponent or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, again, they're they've got so many people. It's hard to kind of it's kind of hard to put. Uh, all these people on television to where you actually feel some sort of investment uh, for the wrestlers. But it is what it is, Darren. It is what it is. But uh, nonetheless, Heavy Machinery does lose to Eric Rowan and uh, Daniel Bryan, as we said they would, and they, they did. So SmackDown Tag Team Champions move on. Uh, they do. And interestingly enough, uh, I read reports that Daniel Bryan has said when his current contract is up, he will be retiring from the ring. Um I don't know what to make of that anymore. But he wanted nothing more than to come back. Maybe it's just the idea of I want to retire on my own terms. But it just seems to me like uh, he's saying that sort of as a response to you're, you're misusing me. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Poor guy like comes back and like defies these odds and just gets into one bad program after another. Uh, poor guy. Anywho. The, as far as SmackDown belts go, they also have a women's championship, and that champion is Bailey. And Bailey had to defend against Alexa Bliss. And I found myself watching this match to see if Alexa Bliss was actually going to wrestle. Was this going to be another non-match where they put her out there so that we, the audience, don't forget that she is a wrestler, but she's not actually going to compete? Nope. She's in there. She's mixing it up. She's tearing it up. It's a good match. And if you watched that hour-long special after Stomping Grounds, you, you finally got the answers to what the hell 
was going on with Alexa Bliss in 2018 and so far in 2019 because I couldn't ever figure it out. I was like, is she hurt? Is she not hurt? Is she back? Is she hurt again? What's Now she's doing uh, a moment of bliss, which is like a backstage looking at the camera segment. Now it's a talk show. Now, now she's wrestling, but she's not really wrestling. I've been totally confused now for like over a year. Um, and we learned in that special, it started with a breast augmentation. It then turned into a shoulder injury, turned into a concussion. It turned into like post-concussion syndrome and then another concussion. And so, yeah, that her last year, just those injuries weren't very well publicized. And that's what made it weird to just watch her on TV and never know what the hell was going on. Sure. Obviously, we knew something was up because she's a good wrestler and they weren't using her. Um, but I, it's almost like they wanted to wait until the special hit to kind of you know unravel the mystery of what, what's been going on with her. Um, seeing her wrestle again was great. Watching her, and, watching her and Bailey wrestle, that was that was. I really enjoyed that match. I really did. Alexa Bliss uh, doing a lot of old stuff, doing a couple of new things, which I haven't seen. And knowing that she had like issues with concussions, and seeing her take like a power bomb into the turnbuckle was like, no, why would you do that to her? Um, I, I still don't think Bailey's the safest wrestler on the planet. Um, especially I would not do that to someone who's had like issues with concussions, but anywho, um, no, the match is good. It, it is a good match. Uh, you forget to mention that, uh, Nikki Cross accompanies Alexa Bliss to the ring. Uh, so she's kind of a factor in this only because they have a friendship, but it seems like Alexa might just be using Nikki, uh, to her, her own, you know, her own means, uh, which is kind of dumb because, I mean, she, she does that. That's kind of what happened with Nia Jax. So, I mean, I, I don't want to see Nikki Cross used that way. Also, it seems like Nikki Cross is a bit more normal than she was a month or two ago, which I don't like. Um, but beyond that, I like the two of them together. They're tiny. They're tiny. Nikki Cross also got married to Killian Dane. Did you see That's that? right. Yeah. Yeah, all apologies to Nikki Cross and Killian Dane. You didn't get your own spot in the headlines. But, uh... You should have because, you know, happy betrothal and uh, to the two of you. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I should have. I kind of figured they were together because some years ago, uh, people were there was I saw Killian Dane defending Nikki Cross because I forget what she said. She said something. And I think people thought she said something else. People mistake what people mistook what she said as a racial slur even though it's not what she actually said at a house show. And it got blown out of proportion for like a day, but Killian Dane was very adamantly defending Nikki Cross. And I was like, man, they're either really good friends or something's going on there. I guess it's both. You know, they, they went and got hitched. So uh, good for them. Anywho, uh, it's a good match. And I wonder what this means for Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Maybe they'll do some, some matches together in the future once this obviously dissolves. Um, or they'll become tag team champions because these two are talking to each other. They're friendly. So that must mean they are destined for tag team gold. Right, WWE writers? You know, I, I the one thing that would be good, and hopefully this is WWE remembering its own history, if a, it, I, I say if, when Alexa and Nikki Cross eventually split, I think it would be very nice for them to address the fact that Alexa has had Nia then Mickey James and then elect, uh, Nikki Cross. And it's like, uh, they need to say, you know, this, this chick just uses people up and spits them out. 
Um, and then like, you know, start a program where, uh, Nikki Cross uses Mickey James and Nia to get back at Alexa. Like it can be good if they play it that way, but they probably won't. <laughs> Sad but and, and another thing that is good about this match is I'm starting to care about Bailey again. They're they're kind of rehabbing Bailey. They're right now. It, it's it's tough. Uh, the fans are not on Bailey's side, like they have not been for a long time. Um, I'm not really sure what the I'm not really sure what the issue there is. Uh, she's a good wrestler. She's good, but it just seems like the fans are never quite with her. But people love Alexa Bliss. I mean, they they love to boo her, but you can't deny that she is a a good heel and b a good wrestler. Next up, we have Roman Reigns taking on Drew McIntyre um, in the long dark hair and beard man match. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> But Drew McIntyre is just Roman Reigns with his clothes off. Um, <laughs> I believe, Darren, you you uh, very uh, affectionately titled this match a Who Gives a Shit match. Is that accurate going into this? Yeah. And well, this... yes. To use your words, I, that's what I said. Well, don't turn this on me. Uh, you, you, you said it this time. But uh, it was actually a good match. It, it was a very good match. And uh, I remembered why I thought this would be a good program if Roman Reigns was still Universal Champion. Uh, because it is, but it's funny to me because Shane McMahon's involved, and of course Roman Reigns, you know, defies the odds and wins the match as we said he would, and thank God he needed to get a win uh, over over these this mischievous pair of Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. But Michael Cole starts saying like, finally Roman Reigns can move on. He's finally vanquished Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. And it's like, what are you talking about? They're they're just gonna stop because Roman Reigns won this match. That is not how it works in wrestling. You don't. You win the match and your heels go, all right, I may not like you, but damn it, I respect you and move on to the next thing. That's not how it works. Uh, no, and uh, and again, I, I don't have that much to say because I wasn't particularly thrilled. That's, that's, uh, that's fine. It's fine. No, it's, it's a decent match. It is a decent match, and it ends the way we said it would. So good for Roman Reigns. Uh. We know that it's going to continue, though, because as we saw, of all people to come help Roman Reigns, The Undertaker returned, and uh, to be honest, that's actually part of why I think the Extreme Rules card is pretty cool, or at least interesting. Uh I would not have booked Undertaker helping Roman Reigns because that doesn't make any sense at all. I would not have booked Undertaker. Fair enough. <laughs> Period. I, I kind of like the graphic. Undertaker and Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. I mean, Undertaker doesn't need to be wrestling anymore and neither does Shane McMahon. And we don't need to see Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre again. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> all are true. But I, it's still real to me, damn it. No, and, no, I get it, I get it. And sometimes I get sucked up by the hype and sucked into the hype, and it's a cool graphic. I like the idea of it. That's the Mojo Raleigh in you, Darren. You don't get hype. You stay hyped. <laughs> Mojo Raleigh, who looks really stupid in his <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm glad you got to say that, and I didn't have to say it for you. I still, I still love him. Oh, I still love him. Uh, no, you're you're wrong about that. Moving on. As, hashtag Mojo for Universal Champion. No, no, no. Hashtag Mojo for WWE Champion. Stop grimacing like you're in pain. <laughs> Stop grimacing like you're Ronald McDonald's friend. Aww. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, in our penultimate match of the evening, and didn't you find it a little strange that the last two matches were the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship? Yeah, what world are we living in where the, the two biggest titles on the show actually closed the show out? That's really odd to me. By the way, I didn't I didn't know at what point... Did we mention this last week? Because I don't remember. I don't know at what point this match became a steel cage match. Oh, I we didn't... We did not talk about it last week. Yeah, that surprised the hell out of me. So we have Kofi Kingston, who is the WWE Champion, uh, taking on Dolph Ziggler. Uh, in a steel cage match for that WWE strap. And uh, good match. It's a return yeah, match. It's a return match from Super Showdown. Good match. It's a good match. Uh, despite the fact that I don't want Kofi to be the champion, this was a match that shows that Kofi Kingston is a good wrestler. Sure. And, um, and Dolph Ziggler as well. Not... Sure. Kofi Kingston's a good wrestler. Not a great wrestler. And he's far from my favorite wrestler. Okay. But he is good. And Dolph Ziggler is very good. He is truly underrated. Uh, and when he's given a chance to show out, guess what? He shows off. <laughs> ooh, ooh. There was a spot that happens mid-match, and it was so good, it should have been how the match actually ended. Uh, there's a spot where Dolph Ziggler super kicks Kofi, and Kofi kind of like, he starts like st staggering toward the door, and the referees open the door, and he's, like, falling out of the cage, like, kind of, like, semi-conscious or whatever. And Ziggler's like, no! And goes and grabs him real quick before he falls out of the cage and wins the match. And I thought, that's how the match should have ended. Dolph should have just hit Kofi with a super kick, and then Kofi started barreling towards the door. The referee opens it because he's supposed to, and Kofi just sails through that middle rope and falls out of the ring and wins automatically. That way, Kofi doesn't beat Dolph. Dolph beats Dolph. Yeah, that would have been... And that way you have a legitimate reason for another rematch. Right, which will likely happen. So yeah, I, I when that happened, I was like, oh, that's good. That's that's how it should have ended. But instead, just a good match. Dolph goes to crawl out, but while the door's open, Kofi just dives through the rope and uh, leaves the ring, uh, which looked good. And I was very surprised he didn't fall on top of Dolph Ziggler as he was, <laughs> as he was jumping over him. Uh, so well, he hit, he hit both ropes with his legs. Yeah, exactly that. And I was like, oh, no, that's going to kill his momentum, especially the slow motion shot of it. And I was like, he's, yes. he's going to fall on Dolph. But he actually clears Dolph. So, again, uh, shout out to Kofi's athleticism. I did not like the slow motion shot of uh, the slow motion replay of him falling out. When he hit the ground, it was upsetting. It was <laughs> <laughs> It looked like that that sports science show they used to have on ESPN two, where they did everything in slow motion. The cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, where it's like bodies aren't supposed to contort that way. You you get slow motion. You too often realize that we're just sacks of meat. Oh sure, like the can the cannonball hitting the uh, the overweight man in slow motion. 
I don't like it. It's kind of it's kind of gruesome. It's very grotesque. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> we picked. We both picked Kofi because we knew he would win. If I had my way, Dolph Ziggler would have won. But uh, hey, we're 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 on a on a winning streak here. At this point, we've had six correct picks and only two incorrect picks, and that brings us to the main event of the evening. Universal Champion Seth Rollins takes on the challenger Baron Corbin. Um, I know you hate Baron Corbin, and I know that I like him for no reason. Uh, I don't. No I don't whoa, 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 whoa! I don't hate Baron Corbin. I just don't Are give a sure? shit. I just don't give a shit. I'm indifferent to Baron. That's Corbin. even worse. No, it is. In the world of wrestling, it is much worse. Yes, but I just I don't care. All right, there's one thing you gotta like: the very beginning of his music. No. No, what? No, <laughs> no. There's no you. You can't not like the very beginning of Baron Corbin's music when it's like, oh, I can't even do it. It's like it's so badass. I'm, I'm, when I ever hear it, I'm gonna think of you going, and I'm gonna, it's gonna be ruined from here on out. It sounds like auto-tuned Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Even if we're just dancing in the dark, maybe we were born to run. Actually, it sounds like Richie Sambora singing the Bon Jovi song for Bon Jovi. That's what it sounds like. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. Okay. Well, I like it. And uh, so. (laughs) So this is a match. Seth Rollins defending his universal title against uh, Baron Corbin. Another return match. Uh, this time... Yeah, but this time... This yeah. time there is a special mystery guest referee, which luckily they kept a mystery. Again, we talked about that going into this, that it doesn't matter who it is, as long as it's still a mystery when the match actually takes place. And uh, and people are not exactly happy with the outcome, but it's still a mystery. Much like Evolution, and uh, we know that Evolution was <laughs> not did not turn out Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Batista were not the four special guest referees. <laughs> Lacey Evans, Lacey Evans is the special guest referee because they just full tilt boogie on uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch being a real life couple, and now they're an on screen couple, and they're going all out with it. They're going balls to the wall. What happens when they break up? Uh, I don't know. And I, I, is it weird that I thought that also? But anyway, um, that this was good. Because anytime I hear about a relationship, the only thing I think about is how it will end. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I do too, Darren. <laughs> Shame on us. But uh, I, I find that to be accurate, especially celebrities. That's just a celebrity thing anyway. So yeah, Becky Lynch's nemesis, uh, that isn't Charlotte Flair, her other nemesis, uh, Lacey Evans is a spe- special guest referee. I did not see that coming, but to be fair, I didn't really think too much about this because I-, I didn't want to overthink this, believe it or not, on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I-, I wanted to be pleasantly surprised, and I thought it was it was interesting. Um, obviously, obviously, you know, Lacey Evans hates Becky Lynch, therefore, by association, she hates Seth Rollins. So she's trying to f over, you know, Seth Rollins with you know slow counts and. Baron Corbin's laid out outside of the ring, but Lacey Evans decides there's no there's no count out in this match, which I don't, I'm not sure a referee can even really do that technically. 
Um, and so she kind of changes the rules to benefit Baron Corbin and says, oh, no disqualification too, by the way. So Baron Corbin can use that chair he's been using or whatever. Uh, and eventually Lacey Evans even gets physical with Seth Rollins by giving him a low blow. That, of course, is what triggers Becky Lynch uh, to come out and say, no, no, you don't, you don't touch my man, girl. And uh, so she comes out. You don't touch my man in the never realm. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. I think that's kind of what the joke was there. Uh, so Becky Lynch comes out and uh, puts a hurt on old Lacey Evans and uh, Seth Rollins. Gets the win of Baron Corbin when the, the new referee comes out. And uh, that's kind of that. It is it is kind of a, a cute, semi-awkward thing with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch victorious in the ring at the end of the show where they're like hugging. And it looks like maybe they're going to kiss but never actually do kiss. It was kind of like, why didn't they just kiss each other? Becky Lynch slaps, you know, Seth Rollins on the ass. Um, you know, kind of, you know, in a playful slash emasculating kind of way. Um, <laughs> and they and they sit on the apron. And it's like, oh, that's cute. They are a cute couple or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, why aren't they just like kissing? You, you know, like everyone in the, in the audience is going like, kiss, kiss, kiss. Have sex in front of us. Uh, maybe not that last part. Well, some people might be thinking that, but. No, I thought for sure they were just like, you know, just a kiss. and But they just kind of hug as if it were like Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins celebrating at the end of a match, hugging and happy. Yeah, like a, like a brother and sister. Exactly, yeah. That, that's, that was kind of awkward for me. But, uh, so yeah, and then that's how the, <laughs> that's how the show God ends. Forbid, God forbid it'd be awkward for you. And, yeah, I don't want it to be awkward for me. Uh, like in, like when embarrassing things happen in movies and TV shows and you feel embarrassed, even though it's a completely fake situation. Not that wrestling is fake. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the show ends with Seth Rollins victorious, holding on to his universal title. We said that would happen. So Darren, that means when it comes to our head-to-head... Head-to-head. We did fairly well. Seven and two, and we tie because we picked all the same people. That's that. That's pretty good. I'll take it. I don't mind tying with you. You're a nice guy. And uh, at seven and two, that means we out snookered the bookers. <laughs> we out snookered the bookers. We need that t shirt. Out snookered the bookers. Uh, it would not sell. <laughs> it might. You never know. Sure. Well, I, I enjoyed uh, Stomping Grounds more than I thought that I would. And I'm enjoying this direction WWE is taking. It has me more interested in that than AEW at this point. At this point, AEW has some catching up to do in the hype department uh, for sure. What do you think, folks? Let us know. How can you let us know? There are a lot of ways to let us know. Find us on Twitter, Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We'd appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you want, the whole ref and show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or you can always find us on Instagram. There's lots of pictures to look at, and it's a lot of fun. We are the whole ref and show at Instagram. Yes, we are, folks. Find us on social media. Like and share everything, no matter how you feel about it. <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, whatever you do, folks, I hope you enjoyed yourselves on today's episode, and I hope you'll come back next week for next week's episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. By the way, my name is Perry Smith. 
And I am the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we are going to see you when we see you. See ya. Bye-bye! That's right. Fight for the Fallen, which will be on Saturday the 30th. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs>